We're back, back for the 39th episode of the Letterman Jacket Podcast. I'm Eli Letterman, sellout crowds, Oklahoma beat writer. Today, we're going to have a conversation with ESPN's Michael Vopel. Michael is an authority on women's college basketball. He's been all over the country this season covering hoops, especially chasing Caitlin Clark. But we are going to talk about Jenny Bronchek Sooners, perhaps the best basketball story in all of Norman uh, this season and the turnaround they've had. Jenny Bronchek's Big 12 Coach of the Year candidacy. And we will get to Caitlin Clark, Iowa, and the rest of the women's college basketball landscape. But first, a word from our sponsors, people who make this show possible. People like Two Fellas Movers, uh, Midfirst Bank, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, and of course, our friends at Fire Lake. The Fire Lake Firelight Balloon Fest is coming in August. The annual event is one of the biggest and best balloon festivals in the country, and it now has an app. So head to the App Store, Google Play, wherever you get your apps, download the app, and head to Shawnee in August. Okay, 39. Uh, Pete Shu on Oklahoma's current football roster, walk-on DB from Montvale, New Jersey. Back in history, Kevin Murphy, All-American defensive end, 1981-85. to 85. Not a deep well of 39s in Oklahoma basketball history. Today, we're talking to Michael Vopel. We're talking about Jenny Bronchek Sooners, who will enter this weekend. First in the Big 12 Conference standings, 13-2 and two in the league, and rolling. And in pole position to, to win the regular season conference title. A massive turnaround, a massive year of change for the Sooners, but a lot of the same results under Jenny Baranchek, and that is what we were going to speak about. Michael, thank you for joining us on Letterman Jacket. Where are we speaking to you from today in the midst of a busy time in women's college basketball? I'm, I'm at home right now in Overland Park, Kansas. And Overland Park, Kansas, not all too far from Columbia, Missouri, which is where we met. Um, that's where I was covering Oklahoma women's hoops, and um, you were coming over to Mizzou Arena every once in a while and you were then and you've remained you know one of the strongest voices in the sport uh, and, and reporting on women's college basketball I know you were in Iowa City you were following Caitlin, Caitlin Clark that's been a, a big part of your year and I want to ask you more about her but the thought I had while you were on the road is how many women's college basketball games are, this time of year are you consuming a week Oh boy, <laughs> that's it. That is a question. Um, I, you know, I would say multiple a day. Um, like like a lot of folks, um, I have a lot of devices set up. So you know, I have my television, big television, small television, uh, phone, laptop. So I, I would say, you know, um, I don't I don't know if I could even count. Um, how many a week, but a lot. And what's interesting about that, Eli, is just now that we're able to do that. I always tell people, a lot, when, I'm sure. yeah, when I was at Mizzou, which was from 1983 to 1987, so a long time ago, there weren't any games on television. I mean, none. Uh, you could listen to games on the radio, or you could go in person, and that was it. So I really do appreciate the opportunity now for the most part you can see every game that everybody plays um and and so there's a lot to keep up with and that has afforded you obviously in your work you're all over the place with with ESPN but afforded you even from afar a chance to see what Jenny Baranchek has done this year and this turnaround for the Sooners which I think there's the micro in it there's what they've done since kind of petering out in non-conference play and and this jump in, in the Big 12, but then there's the macro of, of this team with the turnover they've had 
uh, in terms of the roster from year to year, a very different looking team from Jenny Bronchek's first two, at least in terms of personnel. And yet here they are. Uh, they're going to go into this weekend leading the Big 12 uh, standings and, and in a spot to to claim this regular season title. For you, what's what's the starting point on what makes this such a fascinating story? I think what Jenny brought to Oklahoma was a, a really attractive style of basketball to watch and one that really puts the the power in the hands of the players. You know, she wants players to make decisions out there. I mean, that's that's her style. She wants you to learn to think like a basketball player. And Eli, you probably remember very early on, I think there was a video right after she took over of one of her first workouts. And it just, it always stuck with me because this is so classic Jenny. She was telling the players, you know, don't be afraid to make a decision, just make a decision. She, she wants players to really have, um, that, that feeling like they're trusted, um, when they're out there and that they prepared for what they want to do. And, and I think that's what we've seen this season is she's helped them regain their trust in themselves. What did we see, you know, right before, uh, right before Christmas, you know, with, with, um, especially with the loss to Southern, it was a team that really seemed like they were almost paralyzed because they were afraid to make a mistake. And she was able to help this team regain its confidence, or in some cases, just gain confidence. They didn't have it to begin with because a lot of these players just weren't in this role before. So that's why I think this has been a great story is, you know, you like you hear you hear coaches and teams talk all the time about we're going to learn from this loss or we're going to grow from this, and you don't necessarily see that happen. We've seen that with Oklahoma. We've seen a team that has grown tremendously just in a couple of months. I think you know you you talk about that confidence coming back. I, I spoke with Lexi Keys for something I wrote on her probably two three weeks into January. So when this big 12 run they've been on their 13 and two now was really just getting started and we didn't know what they were going to do um and she used the term trust we got our trust back and when you talk about um not having that fear in decision making the, the way that jenny bronchek coaches her teams and her players that term trust seems to be pretty important because to make those decisions that she wants her players to make there's got to be trust whether it's in the system and themselves and all of that uh, and that has clearly come back when I mean, we've seen it in the consistent level of play we've seen it on nights where you can beat Kansas State and beating Baylor uh, and some of the big ones they've got. I think next week is going to be huge with, with Texas in Norman. Might be one that helps decide uh, the Big 12 race. When we talk about this team last year, who we covered in Kansas City uh, at, at the Big 12 tournament, to now, you, you think about how different they look um, in, in terms of who's on the floor. And in some ways, the, you know, the things they're doing, it still looks very much like a Jenny Baranchek team, but they figured some things out. What has impressed you most, whether it is Skylar Van taking on the role she has, Lexi Keys, uh, an Oklahoma State transfer stepping in, or the way they've gotten some of these other, you know, feature players uh, to, to really find roles? I think that's just it, Eli, is, is that they have... Uh, everybody has found their role over the course of this season. It was such a big change, as I, as I know you've you've probably written about quite a lot. When you lose three players who are who are offensive minded players who are used to being there at crunch time, especially somebody like Maddie Williams. You know, you she knew 
I have to always be there at crunch time. And really, I think Taylor and, and Anna knew that as well. Then you lose Liz Scott to injury. So all of a sudden, like, there's just so much that is just lost, not just like in terms of the the points, the rebounds, whatever, the confidence. You know, these are players that are used to being there when it really counts, when it's at the end of the game. And that's that's hard to get that mentality to have that confidence. So we've watched this team, individual players all kind of learn their roles and also just learn to be more confident in what they do for this team. And as you mentioned, it is a little different. They still look like um, like a Jenny Baranchek team, but they're not, you know, they're not hitting threes at quite the percentage. I think it's like, you know, they were about 35% last year, about 31% this year, which can make a little difference. And and they've had their struggles at times with the three pointer. They're averaging maybe like seven points less a game. So they've had to be a better defensive team and, and they've done that. Um, and that's, you know, looking at players and saying, Hey, I think you can do a little more here, a little more here. Uh, and those players responding to that. So that's what's been interesting is they don't they don't necessarily look drastically different, but they look different, not just with personnel, but what they have to do to win. And games. I guess in that sense, it's it's the interesting piece because a coach like Jenny Baranchek is going to stick with her system. She does not. This is her basketball and it ten, happens to be very fun, high scoring and has been wildly successful now over three seasons. But this is her her thing. She does, you know, isn't a coach to to vacillate what she's doing, but she's adjusted where she's had to. And I, I think it, you mentioned the defense. I know turnovers on offense were were what plagued them at in Morgantown last week, but they're forcing more turnovers and 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 they're just doing things on defense that I don't think her previous teams were. And and that'll help make up for you know three point shooting. You lose Taylor Robertson. There you go. Um, that that'll impact your three point shooting, but. Uh, I think if you're really evaluating the coaching job and, and thinking about what Jenny has done, not just in instilling that confidence, but being willing to um, adjust, adjust is the word, not change. She hasn't overhauled what she's doing, but she's got a completely new group and, and they've found this way um, to, it's not quite a reinvention, but to be doing something different and to, to great success. Now, the, the question for you is, is, can they keep this up? Do you think this is, um, there, there's three regular season games remaining. They, they're the, you know, in pole position now, but, uh, there's a whole another month of a season, a new season. Once they go to Kansas city, do you feel like they have what it takes in terms of personnel and depth to, to hang when we get into March? I think so. You know, the, the Texas game is going to be tough just because they are such a tough team, you know, to, to be home or away. Now, obviously, Oklahoma got that win at Texas. So um, that's, as you mentioned, that's going to be a really big game. What I, what I feel real positive about for Oklahoma is it's a team that we see, you know, e- even with the loss in, in Morgantown, as you said, you, you can see where that went wrong. But it's a team, for the most part, we're seeing getting better all the time. And they're not stagnating. You know, they, they've consistently gotten better, um, both, I think, I think offensively. Now, Jenny will, will be like, Ugh, this team is just not what she wants offensively. But considering everything, I think they have gotten better offensively and they've definitely improved defensively. They also, you know, their depth is really quality depth. You know, it, it's not like they have four or five people that are sitting on the bench 
you know, that are not really doing anything. Like the people that come in have their roles and I think um, really understand what they're doing really well. So those are things I think made me confident about, about March. Now, then the other thing you, you run into is can, can they keep their confidence? Right. That's, that's the big thing. Can they keep their confidence? And I think based on what we're seeing, the answer is yes, I think they can keep it. And I think that's what's going to, it's what's carried them now for nearly two months. And you, you can look at a team and say, even from sort of like a layman's perspective, they've lost so much from last year. They don't have the same experience, all that. But here we are. They've beaten all the very best teams in this conference. Um, they'll have another chance to, to play as many of them uh, next month. And at a certain point, um, those arguments get old and tired because they continue to prove them wrong. Uh, now, the other big story, I know you're hitting out on the road. Well, there's plenty of big stories across women's college basketball, but probably none bigger than Caitlin Clark. It's, as you told me off air, what you're going to be covering these next few weeks. As someone who's been covering this sport for so long, how do you put context to, to the phenomenon that has been Caitlin Clark? It's it's sort of a combination of the fact that I think people do love offense. Coaches uh, love defense, I know, but people love to watch the ball go through the net. They love to watch clever passing, and they love passion in players, and Caitlin Clark provides all of that. She has the ball in her hand a lot, and your average fan, I think most of the time, is ball watching. So you, you almost you never take your eyes off of her while while you're watching a game. She has the logo three-pointers. She has uh, an incredible instinct for passing and is just a phenomenal passer. Uh, I think the, the point's been made, and it can't be made enough. She is as good a passer as a scorer. So that makes her this incredible offensive weapon. And she's doing it for her home state team, which I think means a lot. Um, it, it, she's somebody who I think is also incredibly well-spoken um, with media, loves the fans, is an extrovert. And that's a good thing because she's gotten a lot of attention and she doesn't wither in that attention. And of course, we have to mention, she is also a Dowling Catholic <laughs> uh, grad from West Des Moines, just like Jenny Veronchek. And the first person who actually told me about Caitlin Clark really? was Jenny. She, she told me, there's this kid, uh, you know, who is just, she's like, I remember she was at Drake then. She's like, okay, we're not going to get her. Um, but she is going to be one of the best players. Um, you'll see. She, she knew she was going to be that good. So it's, it's kind of cool to think, uh, they're, they're almost Eli. It's, it's funny. Uh, Jenny, Jenny's birthday is February 22nd. So she's all, just about to turn 42 and Caitlin just turned 22. So they're about 20 years apart in age, went to the same high school from the same town and both really having a big impact on women's basketball. Jenny is absolutely considered one of the best uh, young coaches in the, in the game. And Caitlin, I think they're, the sky's the limit for her, um, whether she stays at Iowa this next year or whether she goes uh, to the WNBA. And she happens to have done all this in this NIL uh, social media era, 100%. which you think about players you know, 20 years ago, some of the best in the sport, but didn't have this moment in time um, that Caitlin has had. I'm sure I know you were there. You said you don't look away when you're watching her. I hope your head wasn't down when she pulled up for, for the record breaking shot from the logo. No, no. Um, it's what's funny. Um, I was at Missouri state that back then was Southwest Missouri state in 2001 when Jackie Stiles 
uh, at that time, you know, set was set what was the record then. And I remember um, thinking like, you know, the same thing, like I'll keep your head up the whole time because Jack, at, Jackie needed 20 points. So it did take her to the second half, but it was early in the second half with Caitlin. Honestly, you thought eight points that could happen in the first minute. <laughs> so you, you wanted to just keep your eyes trained the whole time. So I did. And you couldn't be more right about the NIL because you think about as soon as that game was over, there was Nike t-shirts, right? The, you break it, you own it. <laughs> um, that is a big deal because it, they were in, and, and I checked like, so on my way home, they're all over in sporting goods stores in Iowa city. They're in Des Moines. So that's a big difference in terms of um, just the the familiarity. Even if you are not a women's basketball fan at this point, you probably have heard the name Caitlin Clark. That is not something we would have had even five years ago. Uh, are we wasting our time? Or when I say we collectively, we on the GOAT debate around Caitlin Clark and women's college basketball and missing the point of just how incredible this is? Well, here's the thing I always say. A huge part of sports is people sitting around arguing with each other. So um, I, I don't really mind it that much because also that's a good thing. You know, it's like if people are going to argue till the end of time about LeBron versus Michael Jordan or, um, you know, whatever in baseball. Is Mike Trout really the greatest ever player when he hasn't really done much of anything in the postseason, which is the Angels' fault? But you know what I mean? It's like that's kind of the lifeblood of being a sports fan. What I would say is somebody who's been fortunate enough to follow the sport. One of the things you, you put Caitlin into context with is what she's doing um, offensively overall. You know, there is nobody else who has 3000 points and 1000 assists has been to a final four has been to a national championship game. So, I think that puts her in the context of one of the most influential players and one of the best. It's hard to say greatest of all time. Oh, uh, she's not even done yet. So we'll have to see there. And people will say, oh, well, is she a great defensive player? I always joke, you know, when you can score 49 points a game, I don't, I don't know how great your defense even has to be, but I think her defense has improved. Um, and yeah, kind of like, Hey, it's it's okay. Let, let me put it this way, Eli. I don't mind if people waste their time arguing about women's basketball because then they're talking about women's basketball, well, and that's, that's an the awesome right point. Thing. The fact that we're having these debates and you're seeing it on ESPN tells us, um, in a lot of ways, and you probably know this as well as anybody, how far the sport has come. You've been very generous with your time. Can I get a few yeah. rapid fire questions in before we get you out of here? Fabulous. All right, Jenny Bronchek. Sure. She certainly made a case. Is she, Big 12 coach of the year, yes or no? Is it pretty straightforward yes. too? Do you feel like there's contenders chasing her down there? Honestly, I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, uh, Jeff Mitty, I think will be in the race. Um, I Nothing against Texas or, or Vic because um, people may say, hey, he lost. Um, Roy Harmon, and he still has a chance to win. Um, but looking at everything that Oklahoma lost and where they are, where they were picked, I, I think she's will Caitlin Clark's scoring record ever be broken? It, 
It depends mm. on if she stays another year. Uh, if if she finishes out this year, it's a possibility because you know we're, we're looking at somebody like Juju Watkins at at a USC who's averaging about twenty seven points a game. So if she kept keeps that up, so it's within the realm of possibility that it could be broken. If she stays another year, I don't. I don't at that point that as well, you're probably touched. talking about the good quote unquote good fortune of that extra COVID year, right? In allowing that the once in a generation yeah, yeah, um, exactly. element to, to her resume then. Uh, next month in Kansas City, who's yes. going to lift that Big 12 tournament trophy? You know, I think it's probably still going to be Texas. Um, just because, you know, I, I think from a talent standpoint, even without Rory Harmon, this is a really talented Texas team. Uh, I do think Oklahoma and Kansas State, though, you know, could could make a case for for winning this tournament. So uh, I I don't think it's by any means uh, a, a done deal for anybody. And if if we didn't mm-hmm. know that already, last year told us that with what Iowa State was able to do. I would say that was Ashley Jones and Iowa State. I I I have rarely seen one person basically almost win a tournament by herself the way that that Jones did last year, which was actually nice to see for. For a kid who that was a whole lot of fun so last year's tournament. Uh, the story in the sport right now that isn't getting covered enough is what? Probably South Carolina's excellence, but I think part of the reason is they're just winning by so much. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of uh, UConn in some of their best years when they would just win every single game by so much and there was a lot more attention on everything else because they kept winning, winning, winning. But right now we're looking at a South Carolina team that's dominating the SEC again, um, you know, has the longest SEC winning streak ever. And when you look at all they've lost, I think Don Staley is the national coach of the year. I mean, they basically lost their starting five, including the number one pick in the draft with Aaliyah Boston and they haven't lost a game. Um, their only loss last year, of course, was to, you know, the Caitlin Clark Express at the Final Four. So uh, I think that's probably the, the biggest story. I don't think people are ignoring them. It's just, it's almost like their excellence is so, uh, they've they've made it like just, hey, this is what we do. We we win SEC games in a league uh, that is not easy has to win. Notes of the Oklahoma softball team we're covering here in just that they have normalized that's a good that level of excellence. A, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, good comparison. Uh, the most enlightening interview in the sport right now yeah. is who? You know, Caitlin is very good to talk to. She doesn't get um, as much one. You don't get as much one-on-one time with her as as you might have. But what I what I love about her particularly is that she understands the history of the sport um, and she takes time to to give credit to people who came before her. She knows about her opponents and she gives a lot of credit to other people that she plays against. To me, those are all really great qualities about a superstar, that it's not just about her. She understands that. And she's very, very aware of her good fortune 
and is making Last the most one of for it. you. Let's say South Carolina is a runaway train to be in that national title game. As of for recording on February 21st, 2024, who are they playing in that game, if you had to guess? You know, I've been, I was thinking, I've been thinking for a long time, it's still going to be LSU. You know, that LSU, with all their talent, they've had, they've had a few ups and downs, of course. They, they lost at the beginning of the season to Colorado. They lost it at Auburn. But I think with all of that talent, uh, I still think it could be an all-SEC uh, championship game. I think there's, there's a very good chance of that. However, the other team right now that I, has been playing just fabulous is Ohio State. So Ohio State hasn't been to a Final Four in a long time, Eli. Uh, 1993. So if if they can play as well the rest of the season as they have been for the last, I'd say, month or so, they could be in that mix too. But right now, those would be the two well, that, that stand out Michael has been fabulous. Folks, there's not many people, I, I believe, who have a, a better handle on the national scene of women's college basketball than Michael Vopel. Thank you so much for joining us. Excited to follow along with what you're doing over the rest of this season. Where can people find you these next couple of months? Um, well, I'll be I'll be following Caitlin a lot, Caitlin Clark, uh, because you know, I, as we talked about, there are still other records that she could reach, and uh, there's a big decision she'll be making whether or not she'll be staying at Iowa or not. Um, I will be at the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, probably semifinals and final after I get back from the big 10 tournament. And then of course, uh, NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, I'll hopefully have plenty of stuff on, uh, ESPN.com and, um, and on Twitter. Um, and, uh, I, I appreciate everything you do, Eli, with, um, with, with covering women's sports and especially, um, with covering the Sooners. I, I just think they're, um, it is a great school for women's sports and there there's a fan base that I think is long time, you know, goes all the way back. Like I said, to when I was in college, which is a long time ago of, of people who are Oklahoma women's sports fans. And it's just nice to see, um, that, that there's an appreciation for, for women's sports there and, and some really well, great athletes there's and coaches, incredible there. athletes and coaches in Norman right now. And, and they make covering those teams. A whole lot of fun. We'll do more of that on Letterman Jacket. We do a ton of it at selloutcrowd.com where you can read all my coverage on Oklahoma. And as always on Letterman Jacket, you can find us YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there and we'll be back with another episode of Letterman Jacket next week.